April Fool's has historically been almost a, a bit of a holiday in the Holstone. Um, I take responsibility, my role as a dad, to make sure that we're having fun as a, as a family, and that was very much a part of how I was able to bring this in. <clears throat> you know, our kids, and Anna is here today, she's going to testify, that has, have experienced many of the classics. I don't know if April Fool's is a part of your home, um, but uh, uh, it's, it's fun. For some of us. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the classics. Taping the, the sprayer next to the kitchen faucet. Oh, you know, that's a guaranteed success. It's a good place to start. Um, you get that surprise, and typically you, you also get a squeal with it. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bonus there. Um, if you have the white milk jugs, you can, you can get away with switching Kool-Aid in to the milk, and man, the cereal lovers in your family, surprise for them. Salt and the sugar, you know, kind of an oldie, but, you know, I've, I've had kids laugh over that one, cry, get really mad. <laughs> I've got video to, to prove it, but those videos are more embarrassing. Oh, this is a great one. You can catch people unexpectedly. Order Papa Murphy's. You know, at Papa Murphy's Pizza, you can also get that cookie dough. Get a tub of that cookie dough. And it sets the kids off because they're excited about that cookie dough when you're eating the pizza. And then you form that cookie dough around a, a raw pea pod. Oh, surprises. It's, 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 it's great. Well, again, like I said, I, I felt a little bit of this role as a dad. But Deanna wasn't going to be outdone. She needed to be in on this, too, and started getting into it. And um, one night, she's up late and she's covering the toilet seat with Vaseline. She's going to really surprise someone. Um, but it was hilarious in the morning when I heard Deanna screaming. <laughs> oh, love you, babe. So good, the fun in the family. Uh, uh, one other one, one other one. This wasn't April Fool's for us, but it just it ties in, and you know, you raise your kids where you sometimes you're proud of them. Well, we were on a family vacation, and you're trying to save money. You're being frugal. We would shop to get our own lunches. So you stop, and you get like sandwich stuff. You get a two liter of pop, and pass out the cups, the styrofoam cups, and you know that would be our lunch as we're driving and. I'm making time on the road. Deanna's passing out the sandwiches and the cups. And we get down the road a little bit. And my son, who's, who's younger at this point, he passes his cup up to Deanna, asks, can I have some more Sprite? And Deanna starts pouring the Sprite, not realizing my son had poked a hole in the bottom of the styrofoam cup with his finger. And it's just like all over her lap. <laughs> I know. That was my response. <laughs> Not Deanna's. And uh, needless to say, Deanna's parenting at that point, right? She's like, uh, all right, talking to our son. And we get down the road a little while, and I'm still just, I don't know if it was laughing or proud. <laughs> My son Isaac starts to cry a little bit, you know, just and you turn around, and you're like, oh, what's wrong? He's, how come dad gets to laugh and I don't? <laughs> April Fool's, is, it catches you because you're expecting something and then something else happens, right? You, you, you set people up that here, here it comes, you're expecting it, and then what? Uh, it happened to all of us when we opened the door yesterday, right? <laughs> I was like, what? As I turn on my daughter's light, it snowed, got a shovel. It comes back. She went back to bed thinking it was April Fool's. <laughs> but you expect something and you get hit with, with something else. I, I feel that this is, this is a bit of how I read Palm Sunday because the crowd that came out had just an expectation for one thing and then it just seemed to get reversed. It's, it seemed to, to deliver something else. 
The crowd that day were expecting a king march into town, maybe take over the crown to deliver them from the Romans. Um, but Jesus came and he took a cross. Um, you, you, you went from crown him to crucify him. Um, makes you really want to stop and say, what day was that? What day is it? Well, this day, it was, it was what we celebrate Palm Sunday for. <clears throat> um, I want to take us to our text. John 12, 12 to 19, we have it on the screen for us. Um, encourage you to follow along. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow there. Um, but I'll read it for us. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a, a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Our text from John. Let me pray. Father God, as we come and we look at the, the text here of the, of the narrative of Palm Sunday, God, I pray you would give us um, simply eyes to see and, and hearts to receive, um, God, that we would understand you as our king and that the king has come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Prior to uh, reading this um, text, you know, I, I looked at the, the fact that this was Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. It was the, the day of Palm Sunday. It was very much like an introduction of him to the people as king. Um, to, to kind of give us the outline for this, I, I wanted to look back at another introduction of Jesus. Um, and that introduction, if you would, was made by his father. So in Matthew 17, we have recorded the words of God the father introducing his son. Listen as I read Matthew 17, 1 to 5. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, and I love that right there, while he's still, it's almost like Peter's just so excited. He's like, oh, yeah, let's, let's put a shelter. This is really good to be here. And God almost has to interrupt him and like say, hey, Peter, just be quiet and listen here. As we continue on, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from that cloud said, this is my son whom I love, with him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So God the Father presents his son in those three ways. He says, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I, I feel as how God introduced his son here really is parallel to how Jesus is being introduced as he comes into the city. And so I want to use those three, I want to say, outline pieces, those components, as we look at the um, Palm Sunday narrative today. So I'm going to go back now to uh, John 12, and I want to dive into that text with you. And we're going to kind of look at it in those three points. First, the, the Jesus is king. And second, we're going to look at that Jesus is love. And finally, that Jesus completed the work of the Father. But first, Jesus is our king. Verse 12 said, The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This, this verse starts out by kind of giving the context. 
Context of when this occurred. The next day. This verse speaks um, to the Sunday prior to the crucifixion. If you didn't know this, this was also a day that would, would be also known as the Lamb Selection Day prior to Passover. See, the Passover was an annual celebration of the Jewish people. Um, the, the history, and the, the, the genesis of this celebration goes back to when um, the Jewish people were delivered from Egypt. And the last plague was referred to, if you would, of the Passover. That's how it gets his name. The, the Lord went through the, the nation and the, the eldest born was, was killed. Um, the Jewish people, however, put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And as the Lord went through, they were passed over. They, they were saved. And there was a celebration of this, and it was named the Passover. Um, that goes back to that account. You can, um, you can understand that. <clears throat> So this was a feast, a celebration that the Jewish people would travel to Jerusalem for. Thus, as it says that there were crowds, they're literally, this, the city was full. Everybody was going to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover, to, to, to be there, to, to celebrate together. Um, and as I shared before, this day was called the Lamb Selection Day. In the Old Testament, on the 10th of Nisan, families selected their lambs in the late afternoon for Passover. You can read about this in Exodus 12, verses 3 and 6. It records, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all of the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. <laughs> wow, you know, I just was reflecting on that again as you selected this lamb that would then be with you, and I'm going, oh, how hard would that be for my girls? Wow. <clears throat> but how fitting that Jesus is coming into the city on this day, the selection of lambs to be really our sacrificial lamb. Um, the Lamb of God who takes the sin, away the sins of the world. So, on that day, on that day that it, there's crowds there for this celebration, that we see this Lamb Selection Day, they had heard that Jesus was coming. Word was getting around because of the miraculous signs that Jesus had been performing. In verse 17 to 18 it says, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. <clears throat> you didn't need Snapchat to send this around. I mean, if Jesus is raising somebody from the dead, the word is spreading. There's, there's this guy that's going around healing people, raising people from the dead, everybody's like, could this be? Could this be our redeemer? And there's this question that's arising. There's this anticipation that is happening because of these signs. It's amazing about, at this point, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, a number of these pictures are all starting to line up and come together of evidence of Christ as our king. So on the one hand, you had the, the Jewish worship, the festivals pointing to the person of Christ. In Colossians 2 and Hebrews 10, it refers to some of these fest festivals as shadows of things to come. Shadows of things to come. Now the shadow isn't the reality. Shadow is evidence of a reality that's coming. Here's the shadow, and I can follow it to the, the objects that's creating that shadow. That shadow's leading up to Christ. Uh, these festivals that they were celebrating were shadows. They were signs of who Christ was and what he was going to do for them. So you had that picture coming into alignment. You also have, during this time, these miraculous works you, you know, John records in his gospel, John 20, 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
the, the miraculous works that he did and the record of them were provided to us that we may believe that Jesus is God, that he is our king. You have these miraculous signs, everybody's seeing what he did with Lazarus, coming together with the shadows of the festival all on that day. Up, up until now, when Jesus did these miracles, when he healed somebody, he said, keep it quiet. You know, he's, he asked them sometimes not to share, but Jesus intentionally on this day made that statement of, I'm going to ride into town on this donkey. Well, as he made that statement, as Christ allowed himself to be publicly introduced, if you would, as king, he did so on a donkey, which would not have been wasted, again, on the people that were there that day. Um, and you, you see it in their words, verse 13 and 14. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. It says, Jesus found that young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. So it was prophesied that this would occur. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus riding in on the donkey was symbolic to this culture of a king riding into the city in peace. Solomon had, done, Solomon had done the same thing as he rode in on, a, on his father's donkey and took the throne. The, the Jewish crowd understood that significance. Here was a, another picture of the, the prophecy of Christ also coming into alignment. You have all these things coming to this point of Christ coming into the city. Here is our king so exciting as you see the people just celebrating. I um, want to add one more here um, that you might not catch from the text unless you, you started to read before and after this. And in John, if you look back at John 12, uh, or the text we're looking at, just prior to this text, John records the account of, of Jesus in the home of Lazarus. He's there with with um, Mary and Martha, and let me read this for us. Six days before the Passover, Jesus um, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, so they gave him a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. It was filled with the fragrance of perfume. I just, I'm, I'm picturing this pure nard, this expense, because there was a debate whether she should have spent this. She just poured that whole thing out on Jesus' feet. You, you, you get this picture of Jesus anointing. The next day he's coming through on this parade. I, I wonder if, if you were standing there as, as Jesus came by on the donkey, he's like, hmm, Jesus smells good. <laughs> you know, this, this, wasn't, this wasn't, she looked for a Sunday paper and got one of those, you know, cologne samples and paper and opened it up and just kind of rubbed it around his feet. She was going all out, pouring all this over Jesus, and Jesus would have just had that fragrance, that statement of this worshipful act that in the context is almost exciting as an anointing for a king that would be coming through. It's just a powerful picture of all these things coming together if here comes Christ, our king. Um, so, so exciting. So you have the word of the prophets being filled. You have these shadows of these ceremonies leading up to Christ and on this particular day even and the, the miraculous wonders that stood as signs our king has come. But in the midst of this, I want to go on to my second point. Here's our king, and you're super excited, and there's all this celebration. We have this picture of Christ is love. <clears throat> I want to jump over to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospels can all contain a, um, a record of this narrative of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and as Luke records this, he records a, just a, 
um, a situation that just jumps off the, the, um, this passage that I want to highlight as well. So Luke 19, 39 to 44, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teachers, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And we drew near, he saw the city, and he wept. He wept over it. It's just a, incredible to think. If you're, if you're entering, and I like to, uh, to picture that narrative and how it's happening, and it's Jesus coming into the city, and people are just celebrating. They're waving the palm branches. They're laying their, their uh, robes and cloaks before Jesus, and he's coming in, and suddenly they, you look and you see, uh, <laughs> why is Jesus weeping? Um, then I'm picturing that, I'm going, it, it, it's, it's not like someone who just won like the Miss America pageant, you know, and just overwhelmed because I won. <laughs> World peace. <laughs> Jesus wasn't caught up in finally arriving there. He was broken for the blindness of the Jewish people in Jerusalem. He was broken as they were lost. Here, the promised one was before him. On that day, immediately before them was the one that was the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham to Isaac, to David. All these prophecies, these signs, these celebrations had pointed to Christ. Christ was before them, and they missed it. And, and, and Jesus is just broken from them being spiritually blind and lost at that point. And also aware of their direction and their decision as that led them to even the destruction of Jerusalem that was coming. But you see at that moment just Jesus having this heart for, for the lost. I guess I'm not surprised that they missed it. I know, I know my failure. I know how many times I fail. I know how many times I miss things. But I, I would some would ask, like the psalmist, um, who am I that you're mindful of me? That here Jesus is coming in this almost type of coronation parade, and he's weeping for those who are lost. And you go, wow, who, who are they that he's, Christ is mindful of them. You observe him weeping, the spiritual loss, because he is love and he cares. Romans 5, 6 to 8 says, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because God is love. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And uh, he wrote earlier, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You see the writers over and over again tell us of God's love. But on this day, you even see it in Christ as he's choosing to love those that were lost, those that desperately needed him. God loves us. We see our king has come and he is love. The third observation I have in this is I just consider Christ coming into um, Jerusalem on that day is that I see this points to that Christ was committed to the work of God. Jesus fully understood the implications of what was going on. He knew that this would further enrage the Pharisees and high priest. Yet you see him coming into Jerusalem that Sunday on a donkey. You see him almost like saying yes and tipping that first domino on, on Holy Week. Jesus chose to ride the donkey knowing the Pharisee and high priest would become enraged, knowing they would begin to plot to arrest him knowing that he was going to be betrayed, 
He was going to be abandoned, arrested, tried, crucified, knowing all of this. So while I, I utilize that illustration, if you would, of a domino, that Jesus began this process even on, on the, this day as he came into Jerusalem, that falls apart because in that, it seems like once you start it, you know, it, it just carries itself on and you lose control. Um, Jesus was intentionally involved in the whole process. He wasn't overtaken. He, he was intentionally stepping each step towards the cross. He wasn't tricked. This was no April Fool's for Jesus. <laughs> oh, we got you to come in on the donkey. Gotcha. No, his expectation was he knew what he was there for. And he was there to complete the work of his father. He was there to complete the work of the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. On that day, as it talks about on that day, Jesus didn't avoid Jerusalem. He didn't decide to skip the festival. He said yes to the work of God. When you, when you consider an April Fool's joke, as I started, um, you know, that your expectation's typically better than what you get. That's, that's part of the joke. Oh, I expected milk and I got Kool-Aid. Um, the entrance to the Jerusalem really was a reverse of that. It was nothing like an April Fool's joke. The, they were expecting and desiring a king that might go sit on the throne, maybe deliver them from the Roman oppression, but what they got was so much better than that, so much greater. They got a king that wasn't going to defeat the Romans. He was going to defeat Satan and sin. They got a king that was going to not just accept them and allow them to be a part of you know, his nation, but to love them and give his life for him. <clears throat> I take you back to that Mount of Transfiguration, you know, when, when God introduced, he said, this is my son, it's whom I love, I'm well pleased. Um, you know, we just looked at Jesus coming in, we see that we have Jesus as king, he is love, and he's committed to the work of the Father. When God introduced Jesus, he went on to say, so now as I tell you this about him, I'm gonna say, listen to him. Then my son, whom I love, whom I'm pleased, Listen to him. I think that's, that applies here as Jesus came in to the city of Jerusalem and we see who he is, we see his love, we see the work that he's done. The challenge is there for us as well to listen to him. So as we consider listening to him, I believe this is exactly what our culture needs to hear. Maybe what you need to hear, I know it's what I need to hear. And the first is you understand and recognize Jesus Christ as king, listen to him. Allow him to take the throne of your life. See, Christ desires and deserves the reign of our hearts and lives. He's the one who has the authority and the right to define truth for us. This truth is sufficient to define our, our beliefs, our behaviors, our relationships. As we worship Christ as king, it's more than maybe waving a palm branch or even standing to sing a song. It's bending our knee and allowing Christ to rule in me. As Jesus is king, we need to let the, that truth of Christ direct us. As we understand and recognize that Jesus Christ is love, we need to allow his love to fill us, to inform our identity. You know, in a society today where we seek to understand ourselves in so many false, cloudy, um, just warped mirrors, it's, it's in Christ that we can understand who we are and his love that we can understand our value and our relationship with him. As Jesus' love we need to let the love of God define us. And finally, as, as we see that Jesus came and he completed the work of God, 
completed the work of the Father, that we may trust and now rest in him. You see, it was his faithfulness that provides us hope, not ours. It was his work that we can rest on in completing and and providing a sacrifice for the wrath of God against the sin of our lives. Our response isn't to work and try to pay this back, but to worship. Jesus did the work. It's not our job to do that work. It's now it's our job to respond and worship to the work that he's done for us. So as Jesus has completed the work on the cross, let that work of Christ um, defend you. I think about Christ coming in to Jerusalem. Again, while I like to study narratives and try to picture being there and have it come alive to me, I have no disillusion that we're there. I'm not there, you're not there. So what does that mean to us? We're not there seeing the donkey go by. The, the truth of who Christ is as our king is true for us today. The truth of Christ being love is true for us today. The truth of this completed work is true for us today. We can, like those that were there, have that opportunity to celebrate our king. So I want to... I want to close giving us opportunity just to reflect on the impact of the truth of Christ being king, Christ being love, and that work being completed in your own life. If you were there, what does that mean? Because I believe that, again, as I said, is significant to each one of us. Knowing that Christ is king, I can rest that you got this. Things around me are going crazy. You got this. I, I can rest in his love that, you know, others may think I'm kind of weird, be concerned and be praying for my kids for all the stuff I've done. <laughs> but God loves me and he shapes me. And so I just, I want to go into prayer and just even list each of those and ask you to again consider the truth of God is and allowing that to minister to each of us today. So would you bow your head and we're going to pray as I close, but we're going to pray with kind of that in mind. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we have the recorded work of your son here on earth that we might know you, we might understand you more and um, it was good to, to, to be with you in your word today. And God, as we're reminded that you're king, as a church ways, we just wanna be before you and again remember that you are God, that you are king and in a way, um, bow our knee before you. God, I pray your spirit would allow us to rest, rest in your direction and your control. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. It's beyond our understanding. It's, it's, it's sometimes difficult to fathom, but I, I pray that, again, as we just stand before you and understand that your love, that that truth would be speaking to each one here today and understanding our relationship with you. And finally, God, thank you for doing that work which we could never do for continuing into the city and into that path to the cross to pay that price for us. Again, the, the payment we could never make, that we could be reconciled and have life in you. Father God, I pray that you would help us just rest in that. God, it's so good as a church to just pause and reflect on your character and your nature and allow that to just even lead and define us. I I pray as we go into this week, this Easter celebration, that you would be the front of our minds, that we would be just continue drawn to, 
to um, our Savior and the, the incredible work of your Son. God, I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.